0: A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. And hello, modern lovers. Speaking of sexy bodies, I wonder if you have faced any big challenges in your life every day in our trainings and private practice. I'm talking with people who are facing disruptions in every area, the big challenges of life. And we all face those things, right? So coming up, we have a very refreshing, candid memoir by Susan Cross, who shares her survival story when she had a near-fatal physical Oh disruption doesn't begin to describe it while vacationing on a remote caribbean island and how she turned the whole experience into a personal eruption rather than a disruption of the best kind so disruption is a flip side of balance when you want to have a productive life a great relationship that's what we're all about here at modern love radio we give you the tools, the insight, and the information you need to create a successful life in every area. And coming up on April 13th, mark your calendar now. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area or any place where you can get to San Francisco, join us April 13th for Quantum Power, Nine Magic Steps to Transform Your Energy and transform your life so we all know that everything is energy that quantum physics underlies all of the laws of the universe and we really want everyone to understand that whether it's love whether it's wealth whether it's success whether it's healing in your body the research is in if you know how to work with beliefs thoughts words feelings and actions to get your energy tuned up You're now working with quantum power, and it can transform just about anything. So join us. Go to Eventbrite for more information. Reserve your seats now. Space is very limited, and I look forward to being with you in person for Quantum Power, April 13th, here in San Francisco at the Modern Love Training Center. So let's quickly go through our Ask Dr. Brenda question keep those questions coming this one says my wife attended an out-of-town business meeting with three male co-workers when i tried to contact her on her mobile phone and the hotel room phone my calls were unanswered i thought this was going to be an isolated event but it happens every time she goes on the road i have begged her to call at least once but she says nothing is happening she's doing nothing wrong She's never given me a reason not to trust her until now. How can I get her to see my side? Suspicious mind in Texas. All right, suspicious, this isn't about whether you trust or don't trust. This is about the agreements that you have in your marriage. And if agreement is, your agreement is that you stay in touch with one another, if one of you is traveling, then you keep that agreement. So it sounds as if until your wife started traveling, this wasn't an issue. You need to let her know that you feel more connected with her, you feel more secure, stay in touch when she's on the road, and that her refusal to meet your request and to understand your feelings is causing you pain. And I really think this is one where the two of you need to do a deep dive into communication and what's going on underneath all of this. <clears throat> so I am recommending that you seek qualified help, not a therapist, a couples specialist. There's a big difference. In Texas, I work remotely, so do some of my very, very capable colleagues. Hit me back, drbrendaway.com. All right. Let me tell you more about Susan Cross. She left the country believing she was healthy. During her Caribbean vacation, she hiked, she snorkeled. But days before she was to fly home, her appendix burst and she nearly died. She and her husband had to scramble to make their way through this experience, and she's now turned it into something that has meaning, and she's making it her mission to help all of us traveling whatever paths we travel to create a way to deal with disruptions in our lives. She's the author of the book, Power of Disruption, a memoir of discovery. And this is a story that documents her experience and the products and recommendations that she has created that will help you deal with disruptions in your life. Okay, welcome to the show, Susan. Hello.
1: Hello. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. So tell us about what happened to you. We get that an appendix rupture, but what else happened when all this happened on your so-called vacation?
1: Well, I'd had a fabulous trip like most of us do when we're in the Caribbean, hiking, snorkeling, doing all kinds of great things. Got sicker than I'd ever been before just before I was supposed to come home, and found myself having to navigate healthcare in a foreign country.
0: So, what, was were, the, what, what were the symptoms? What happened? How did you discover uh, this was an appendix disruption?
1: Well, first of all, um, I had—I uh, couldn't keep anything down. I was very um, sick. I was. Um, vomiting. I couldn't keep any food in me. I had convulsions that caused my teeth to chatter so hard I thought I was going to crack a tooth and I was feverish. And I thought initially that I had some type of gastrointestinal distress. I'd eaten some local food the day before um, that was prepared in more of a street vendor type of environment oh so you um, I thought had, it
0: was the bugs from the food
1: ah. I yeah I sure did I had no reason to suspect appendix um, at all and in fact my pain was also localized in my lower back and not in my lower right side where your appendix is located and I really believed it was intestinal um, I didn't get better and at all, and I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to um, stand up to flying back to the United States. We were on the island of Dominica, which is Mm -hmm. way down in the Caribbean, and it it takes the better part of a day to fly back to the United States. We were flying back to Detroit, Michigan, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to do that, Yeah, and I wasn't getting better, and and my husband um, said that I looked I'm a very healthy person, generally speaking, and he said he's never seen me look the way that I looked. I was gray, and I could barely oh, stand up. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it was very scary. And, and so we're thinking in t- gastrointestinal, let's just stabilize, get me back to the States, we'll figure it out here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we had rented a cottage that was part of a complex, and the proprietor, was on site, and my husband talked with him, and he told us that the local clinic, which was about a mile away, was open. And there's only one main hospital on the island, which was about an hour from where we were staying, across the mountains, on a very windy and pothole-filled road. Oh God! And we <laughs> we didn't want to have to jump over to the hospital if we didn't have to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah, so um, we agreed, uh, my husband, John, and I agreed that it would be good to go to the clinic and and just stabilize. And I knew when we pulled up to the clinic that I needed to just disregard every American view of what medical treatment looks like when I saw a lizard on the waiting room chair. There you go. That was the doctor, <laughs> not a lizard. And Yeah, and there you go. I, I want to be very clear because I received outstanding medical care. Well, tell and tell us the I, story and let us know what happened. <laughs> don't leave us hanging. <laughs> okay.
0: Let's get on so with the story I, here. This is, the story. I'm visualizing you now in this place where you've got the lizard and, and you've got the windy, twisty road over the mountain between you and the
1: hospital. What happened? Yes. So what happened, I'm in the clinic, Um, they stabilized me temporarily with an IV, Um, they ruled out a gastrointestinal issue, but they couldn't identify what was wrong. I had another convulsion that was even more um, severe than the one I'd had in our cottage. And it was like something out of an old-fashioned horror movie from the 1980s where um, my IV came out and blood is shooting all over the room, and it was just oh my god, on it's that. getting gruesome. Oh, <laughs> poor well, thing. I don't want to shock your I don't want to shock your viewers too much, and I won't be too gory, Doctor Brenda, but um, but what it was a gory scene. We get it. Ugh. It was yes, and and so um, they they said, you know what, you need something more than we can do for you here. Um, they were able to draw blood from me. They put it in an Igloo cooler, like we often in the U.S. carry medical uh, things back and forth, and they put me in an ambulance, which basically was a van that had a light on the top of it and a long bed in the back and a bench, um, and a nurse sat in the bench, and my driver took me to the hospital. So. The hospital, like I said, was an hour away um, on a very windy road, and, they're, uh, and it's very pothole-filled. The, the road oh, is about... Dear uh, yeah, oh, dear God. Yeah. I can just see you bumping along in agony on this windy, twisty road with potholes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it, you know, and the, and the road is only about a lane and a half wide by American standards, and yeah. it, was, it was incredibly painful. Now, I've had two babies natural childbirth, but I can tell you that that was nothing compared to what it felt like to be bumping along to the hospital. Um, and I, I went in and out of consciousness, but I don't think I ever completely lost consciousness. Which is too was just bad trying...
0: because being unconscious would have been <laughs> put in a situation like that. There's a time and a place for everything, Susan, and that was the time to be unconscious. <laughs> Oh, believe me,
1: it would have been it would have been helpful, but there was just something in me. I just kept thinking, I need to just stay aware of what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, that um, fight or flight reflex that or fight or flight reflex that takes over, and I I had to I realized I didn't know what was wrong with me, but what I realized was that it was going to be bigger than anything I could do myself, and it it took a lot of mental energy for me to just try and. Yeah, so I you finally to get calm. to the
0: hospital. Yeah, being calm. Oh, it's it's a challenge in a situation like that.
1: I get yes. I get to the hospital, was admitted through the ER, um, and the hospital was uh, is is called Princess Margaret Hospital. It's been around since the fifties. Um, again, I had to not have an American view of hospitals when I went in there because it looks like it was from the nineteen fifties. Um, the medical staff was very efficient. The nurses were in really crisp white uniforms. Everybody was dressed professionally, but it was um, it, it looked um, not like what we would expect here. It was old old looking by American standards. Um, it was clean, but it was gray or like a light blue gray on the floor. Um, as with most Caribbean things, there's a lot of activity that takes place outside. So you're treated on the inside, but you have to walk between different or travel between different buildings to get right, treatment. Right, exactly. Um, I was admitted into the ER. I was given um, a um, an ultrasound, which is the diagnostic tool they were using to see what was going on in my abdomen, and right. uh, two two Cuban doctors were doing that test, and they realized that I was American when I said something, and, and they said in a, in a moment of, you know, uh, humor, right, because we have to find humor in the midst of tragedy, they said, oh, Americano, I'm so glad we're allowed to like each other now.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> right.
1: That's uh, good. So how
0: long did I, it take them to diagnosis was your appendix?
1: Uh, probably they diagnosed it as appendicitis, not as a ruptured appendix and they di- I, from the time I entered the ER to the time I was diagnosed, um, it was probably about two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had to call the surgeon, they scheduled me for surgery that night. they had to call the surgeon in um, and then I ended up having surgery around 10 at night. I was admitted into the room well, pretty ward. bad.
0: Yeah, that's,
1: that's yeah. Very, yeah. It is pretty fast. I agree. I was a, I was still in pain over all, all throughout all of this because of course they're not going to give me any medication or anything um, before surgery, and right. I was admitted into the women's ward. So twenty six bed women's ward. Um, I'd never stayed in a ward before. I've only ever been in a, a just a hospital room with one other roommate, mm-hmm. and. My If my neighbors and I, it was full, and if my neighbors and I would have stretched out our arms, we could have touched each other. And mm-hmm. uh, the nursing staff was fantastic, but I'm laying in there, and my husband, as soon as I got the diagnosis of appendicitis from the doctors when I had the ultrasound, I went back to meet up with my husband in the ER, um, and I told him what it was, and we both just looked at each other, with, we didn't even know what to say in that moment and had to make a split-second decision to resign ourselves to just trusting that the life was going to take care of both of us while I went through this. Wow. Um,
0: so you had the surgery. You're now back on the ward. How long did it take to recover?
1: Um they found out that the appendix was ruptured in surgery, and my husband was waiting outside the operating theater on an outside a bench sitting outside of that building by himself at night. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to take forty five minutes and an hour and a half went by, and they still hadn't seen anybody and He's closing in on two hours, and the doctors came out with stone faced expressions. He thought that i had he was he said that he thought I had died oh, and my God. that's when. Yeah, cause it, 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 that just their demeanor was completely stoic, mm-hmm. and he said that um, they told him what had happened, and because I had um, I had gone septic, and I had peritonitis, basically everything inside me was infected from the ruptured appendix right. and uh, my colon. Um, I had to, they told me I would have to stay for an extra, about a week, about five days. And, and how long did you leave. end up staying? I ended up staying an extra week, mm-hmm. then uh, came back to the United States. Um, now, and I right so gonna
0: I'm going to stop you there because the story is so wild and so just talk about something out of the blue one could never expect. No wonder you call your book The Power of Disruption. And you're giving us a taste of the memoir. But I do want everybody to read the rest of the story and pick up Susan's okay. book. So, Susan, coming out of this, you came up with something that you say every person should have. You call yes, it a medical um, travel portfolio. Now, what I is do. That?
1: So it includes your medical biography, which is basically a very short version of your medical history, Um, your um, date of birth, any allergies, any medications that you might be on, um, anything that is relevant to you receiving medical treatment right now. And then also a medical contact sheet, which includes um, your emergency contacts, someone you're traveling with or someone back home, whether it's a family member, a friend, or a business colleague. Mm-hmm. And then um, your um, emergency care providers, particularly if you is have specialists. Now, on your
0: website, is it not?
1: Yes, Everybody, it
0: is. I want you to make a note of the website. It's www.susan.cross.com so that you can get the complete list of everything Susan recommends portfolio. So if you or someone you know, someone you love is traveling, you make sure everyone has this on them. It's so important because, as Susan has already said, disruptions can occur at any point in life, and being prepared is half of it, and knowing how to meet the challenges. So what are the three things Susan, that you think you should always share with your traveling companion?
1: You need to share um, your medical contact sheet. Get Let them know who they can contact or who doctors can contact if they need to know more about your medical history and you're not able to provide it. Okay. The second and what thing, are some the, of the little
0: known? I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: That's okay. The second thing would be your current, medical conditions, including allergies and prescriptions, and then your family contact, who else should be contacted in the event okay, that you're not able to do that yourself. going to be on the yourself. website, right? Yep, it is. Okay. It's all on. Now,
0: that. what are the little-known sections of health care policies that people should check before going on a trip?
1: You need to check uh, whether your healthcare, your current health care coverage actually provides out-of-country okay. care. We're used to checking for out of network care, but most of us don't check for out of country care so in an emergency will you be covered if you're outside of the United States or its territory
0: mm-hmm. and what this is so important given your experience what do we need to know about accessing emergency services if we're in a foreign country?
1: The first thing I would say is to know um, to know who have a local contact that can provide a recommendation to you. So if you're staying at a resort or you're staying at a, a hotel, bed and breakfast, something like that, there's a, an owner or a proprietor or a concierge who can probably provide good information for you. Like I said, in our case, the owner of the property was able to give us guidance and recommendations. Um, the, the other thing I think that's important to know about accessing services in a foreign, a medical services in a foreign country would be to understand before you get there what level of English is spoken in the country. Um, if you do not speak a second language, it's important to know how well that country speaks English. Now, most countries around the world do, but not all with level. Well, what do you do if level. the country
0: doesn't have people who are fluent in English? What do you do?
1: There usually will be that you will have to find someone who is um, that's also where your um, your medical information that you have written down can become important because they could scan it in. There are a lot of ways to translate that. Um, there are ways to translate things uh, with apps on your phone, etc. So there are medical uh, there are information ways to get around that, but that's where having that background information is so important.
0: Okay, and then. Suppose you're in a country where uh, you need some support, how can the American Embassy help you if it's an extreme emergency?
1: Um, they also can connect you with local healthcare services um, and they can direct you to local, like I said, local services. And don't be afraid of using local services. Like I said, I received excellent care, but I was directed to the right places for that. The embassy can also help inform your family and friends if you're not able to do so yourself. And if needed, they can help arrange for the transfer of your funds in order to make payments to receive medical care if that's needed. They will not provide the funding, but they can um, help make arrangements for that. There's uh, there, uh, If you contact the State Department, go on the State Department website, uh, U.S. Secretary of State, um, there's a lot of good information that specifically outlines their services um, that they can offer.
0: Now, you've done a great job pulling together a lot of this information in your book, The Power of Disruption, A Memoir of Discovery. What is the most important thing you discovered going through this truly – Hair-raising experience.
1: I think there are that there are two things in particular. The first one is um, I discovered that I had to surrender control to my tribe. I had to trust my people that I knew, my husband, my family back here in the states, and I also had to trust people that I didn't know, but who are part of my tribe as well. All the medical personnel in dominica and the people that helped my husband since he didn't have a support network down there a family and for someone like me who has worked in business for a long time and is used to um, having a lot of control over what happens in my life that was really difficult Mm -hmm. but if i wouldn't have done that i wouldn't have i wouldn't have been able to heal
0: wow so being able to surrender control ask for help accept help and I have to ask you this. What was the scariest thing
1: about your health experience when you were in the Caribbean? For me, the scariest thing was, and I, I don't want to give away everything in the book, but the scariest thing for me, honestly, was, um, was not about me. Not the lizard on the chair? Yes. No, not the lizard on the chair. I've hiked and traveled in the Caribbean. I'm used to lizards. I'm good with that. Honestly, for me personally, the scariest thing was not knowing what was going to happen next because I kept running into one thing after another. Um, I thought it was appendicitis, then it was a rupture. You know, things happened while we were I was in the ward. There was a lot of noise and chaos and confusion. Um, and it was just the unknown of what was going to happen next. And that was really scary for me because... I, again, had to surrender control and just trust that I was where I was supposed to be and that I had the strength within myself to to see myself through while I was trusting all these other people to take care of my body.
0: Hmm. So at the end of the day, it comes back to trusting yourself. Now, Susan... How did this affect your relationship with your husband? This is Modern Love Radio. We want to know how does a crisis like this affect a marriage? How did this
1: affect you guys? Yeah, I love that question. I'm so glad you asked. I married my soulmate, and my husband and I don't always agree. But at the end of the day, I think we know if we're with the right life partner, if they show up when it's hard to show up. It is easy to show up for people when things are going well. But when all heck is breaking loose and you're trying to just scramble to stay in the moment and not let your mind do the what if question so much, your partner either shows up or they don't. And um, I knew that I had married the right guy for me before this happened. But once this happened, I'm telling you, it has solidified it for life. Um, so he showed up. For huh? life. He showed up, and you know what? We don't always agree, and I hope that we never always agree because that would make life a little bit boring, um, and it takes the fun out of of discovering things together. But, um, it, you know, modern love is the same as old-fashioned love in that your partner either shows up for you or they don't. And mine, my husband, John, was there in spades, and I will forever be grateful for that.
0: Beautiful. Now, when the two of you look back on that experience together, what stands out in terms of the way it impacted your relationship?
1: I think it was not just the relationship we have with each other, um, because we felt very good about that when this all started. It reinforced for us that we made the right life choices as a partner, but what it really did was it showed us that our adult children are um, so capable of doing so many things. And that transition from childhood to adulthood for them was complete. And we were really fortunate from a relationship perspective to have a family unit that um, is very tight, is very caring, and really wants to to do the best for each other.
0: Mm, Good. So any advice you would give other couples who are facing a major crisis what would you say to other couples
1: um, I think first of all they uh, other couples facing a crisis need to decide whether they trust each other or not because at the end of the day a crisis is dependent people going through a crisis have to depend on another person well the other We're side not, of that if
0: I may weigh in as as the modern love doctor here I would say, in addition to what Susan said, build trust for one another into your marriage. Talk about the things that are challenging for you and work through with your partner how each of you can be there for one another around the things you already know are scary or are challenging and get one another's backs. We had a question at the top of the show of a couple that clearly hadn't worked on how to be there for each other when one is away and the other one's at home. So some of this work is done ahead of time. I'm sure you and your husband had done some, Susan. So you had that trust built in.
1: I like to think that we've done that. And like I said, you know we don't we don't always agree. Um, but we've also been together for a long time. and we've learned at the end of the day that trust is built on a foundation of respect and a foundation of friendship and just genuine caring and concern for each other as human beings.
0: I guess, you know, for me, I've been working with couples who didn't have that foundation so much, and you guys are indeed very fortunate. I'm glad you survived. I love the idea of people reading your book and learning more about how to face a huge challenge and how to face it as a couple. You know, that's why I do Modern Love Training and I encourage everyone to remember, when we learn better, we love better. And anything in life can be a teacher, which is certainly what Susan Cross is teaching us with her book. Again, her website is www.susan.cross, C-R-O-S-S dot com. That will be up on our website, on our social media. It will certainly be up Uh, where you can follow Susan and pick up the book. And I say get thee to a store or Amazon if you must and pick up that book. It's important to have stories that inspire, uplift, and teach. Susan, thank you for being our guest. It's been a pleasure.
1: Dr. Brenda, thank you for having me.
0: You bet. And everyone, go to Eventbrite. Grab your seat now for April 13th, Quantum Power nine magic steps to transform your energy and transform your life all right big thank you to legron green our executive producer cliff dunning our associate producer and to you modern lovers i'll see you soon at modern love training blessings
1: All right Susan thank you uh I will get you a uh right
0: No we'll send you a uh an audio of the presentation
1: Thank you